Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. So deductive reasoning often is what scientists do. So they take a big thing and break it down into its component parts to understand something. Or inductive reasoning uses you take all the component parts and you put them together and you build to a whole, the whole big one thing. Paul did an amazing thing with Romans. He did both. So in Romans 3, 4, and 5, he does this huge big picture. And then he does this begins at the end of Romans 5 and starts to do this in inductive building so that you can actually, and, and chapter 6 is like the key that goes into the lock of this big door that opens this, and when as you look at it, and it builds one, one theme, one understanding on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, and it's amazing, by the time you're actually done with Romans 8, uh, your heart should be, con you know, just absolutely convinced in your heart over the unhindered love of God. That was Paul's intent. He said, look, he starts with the love of God in, in Romans 1, and then by the end of Romans 8, he's like, there, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And he gives it as an, as an assurance into our hearts so that when we engage with God in faith, we're going, yep. Yep, yep, and you get an agreement, and you start getting that yes inside of you. Um, in my own journey through this, one of the things that, that I had occur was I really thought I knew a lot of things. You ever been that? When you're like, like you know, take your work, for instance. You kind of know what you better know what you're doing, and you kind of know what you're doing, and you're confident, and you're building, and you're doing that. Well, that's the way I was with scripture and my understanding and doctrine and all that stuff. And then when God interrupted my life over this, um, in an encounter with him, I kept responding with, yeah, I know that. Yeah, he, he quoted a scripture from, from actually Romans 8, 2. And I kept responding to him, yes, I know that. And he said, no, you don't. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, no, you don't. Yes, I get that. And he goes, no, you don't. And then I finally realized... I was doing something wrong as I was trying to tell him what I knew instead of just going yes to what he was saying about it. And that's how we, when we start getting this yes in our heart, this is what you're saying, and you, and you start, uh, here's, here's what I found now. Most of us, doctrine becomes a difficult, uh, strenuous, wait a minute, I don't get that, and there's so many arguments about it, so we just leave it alone instead of letting your heart, let it pass through your heart. Um, Romans 6 is about doctrine. There's no way around it. Doctrine is the key. What is a doctrine? Doctrine is a statement of belief in which you say, this is what's true about God and this is what's true about me 
and this is what's true of what I believe about God. This is how God sees it. And you start saying yes to it in your heart. And that doctrine will hold you. And that's why Paul gave the, the warning. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the book. I think it was Galatians. But he said, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine. Because there's lots of different ways of looking at it. He's saying, stay firmly, firmly here in this gospel of grace. And so don't be afraid of the word doctrine. Because it is root used here in Romans 6. So listen to this again. We're in 14 through 18. And then I want to talk about what the key verse about doctrine actually says. A little bit of a review. So he says this, 6.14. For sin shall not, this is such a glorious statement, have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Now, what this tells us is in your relationship to God, if you use the law to relate to God, what do you get? What does the law do? Condemns. Paul also said it kills. So you're, t- you're going to God and you're trying to relate to him through moral law and being right and being good. You want God to be pleased with you. It's not wrong motives, but he doesn't want to deal with you with that operating system. He says, I want you to relate to me through grace, not through the law. I fulfilled the law to give you grace so that you could just come to me. That's why in Hebrews 12 it says we come, or it's Hebrews 4, we come how? Boldly to a throne of grace. We don't have to come shy. We don't have to come like we're undeserving. We don't come as beggars. We come as what you said, Chad, dear children, because that's, you know, this is really strange, and, it, and I sound very adamant when I, when I say this. You can't relate to God through the law. Because he's not going to relate to you through the law. He wants you to come to him under grace. And that's the manner in which you relate to God. So, then he says in verse 15, what then? So he's going back to the, to the accusation that he was dealing with in Romans 5. says, and repeats himself sort of here. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Uh, some translations actually say God forbid. If you can't relate to God through the law, you can't relate to God through sin. You relate to him through grace. We oftentimes, and we've been taught, to take our sin to the Lord. Now, I understand that. I understand your heart can hurt. I can even understand your conscience feels guilty. But instead of going to God to get forgiven, you should go to God because you are forgiven. You don't have to talk him into this. He did this already. Your heart has to be convinced that God's okay with you. Because any other way, you you will then have to use the law to convince God. But God already convinced himself about you. You believe that this morning. God is convinced in his heart about you that you're righteous because he gave it to you as a gift. 
does not want you to come and say, I'm an unrighteous person and not worthy of your love. I have, you know, um, this is if Lloyd was the Lord. Stop it. It's not who you are. You may have done something wrong, but that's not who you are. Quit identifying who you are with what you did. I don't identify you that way. Identify yourself in me. Come to me under grace. Now, do you need your conscience sprinkled? Yes. I can't believe I did that. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are the, that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So I always use this as the moral guideline of where I was at in my relationship with God. Is that how you were taught? Yes or no? Well, at least you and I were, so I'll talk to you. <laughs> so I, I was constantly taught that that was the ground rule of my, my okayness. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying... Quit sinning, or pretty soon it's one toke over the line. Quit sinning or else. What's the or else? Did he pay a price? Did he remove that line? It's gone. He says, he's actually removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. This is saying, I don't want to deal with you according to your sin. I cannot. My son died for that sin. And therefore, sin died. Relate to me through my son, which is life. So that's the assignment last week. So that's the review. Then you get to verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? And here comes the two operative words. But God. It it, they're the game changers. Now, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But God, be thanked that though you were, you once were something, not you did, you once were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Are you a believer in Jesus? then you are a slave of righteousness. That's why sin doesn't feel good. That's actually why most of us were taught that the Holy Spirit is sent to convict you, a saint, of your sin. You don't have to. He lives in you. Nobody has to tell you that's sinful. That's why you immediately, you were made for righteousness. So you immediately sense it. Nobody else has to say to you, you know, that was wrong. You ever just start thinking through this? 
You know, we joked about it last week, but when the words come out, you know they're wrong and they're bad and they're going to hurt somebody and you can see them coming out of your mouth and you want to reach for them and grab them. No! You know, I go into my new, they got that slow motion camera thing for Slomies or something like that they're advertising now. Slow motion selfies. That's how I picture it. Not me. It's not who I am. So don't identify with that. It's not a mind trick. Not a, it's not a force be with you. It's God lives in you in righteousness. You are joined to the Spirit of God. You have to take other scriptures and add them to this teaching on Romans. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And actually the words with him were never in the original manuscript. They did not know what to do with that verse. Because it actually said, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. seventh or eighth century and copying that verse going what they're not going to understand this I'm going to put with him in there the spirit of God God's spirit and your spirit are inseparable joined together where it says joined it's the same word that we use for marriage the husband shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. We don't understand that. How can we possibly understand that I am one spirit with God? Holy Spirit convicting the world, yes, of sin, of righteousness and judgment. You, you already know that. You don't have to be convicted of it. You are there. That's why you say to yourself when you fail, that's when you go in, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. That's when you go to Romans 7 and go, what on earth just happened to me? I did the very thing I know not to do. And I'm not doing the thing I do know to do. I find this strange thing that sin still wants to try and work its way back into me and it uses my flesh and it can dwell in my flesh. It can get at me. But we, ne we never preach or finish Romans 7 either. It's, I think it's verse 26. It says, thanks be to God for the indescribable gift that he's given to me. Because that's the only answer. Still what he's saying in Romans 6. Okay. Do you remember, and this is because you have to know, what then is that form of doctrine? Okay, that was review. So I'm free from sin. I'm free to what? No longer present myself to sin. Don't give yourself to sin. It has no ownership over you. It has no authority to you. Just tell it that. To present yourself alive to God. To live holy, blameless, righteous life in relationship to God and others. And it's about what you know to be the truth about who God has made you to be. Operative word. Now. Right now. On your worst day right now. 
this verse 17. This is the, actually it's the key verse for the Christian life. Okay, key verse for the unbelieving life is John 3.16. What is it? star on your Sunday bulletin today. The operative verse for the unbelieving world is that they get assured that God loved them this way, that he would send his son for them. Not that he loved them this much. He loved them this way, that he gave his son. That's the operative verse for an unbeliever. Verse 17 is actually the operative verse for believers. You have been passed through. You've been delivered from something. You have believed something that is true. What is the doctrine that he is talking about? Well, that form of doctrine. Do you remember where we started? Romans 3, verse 21, two words. There we go, but now... This thing right here is now saying when, when you get to verse 18, 17 and 18, so 17 starts, but God. But God is connected to, but now. In what way? Paul is trying to get us to go, wait a minute, everything is wrong. But now God has shown to us beyond the template of the law, Romans 3, 21, that he has laid down his life in love and he has become you, went through death, burial, and resurrection so that it would be given to you as a free gift. That's the doctrine. The doctrine is called justification by faith. So Paul is taking what he was trying to get everybody to see, Romans 3. Look, let me explain this to you. I'm going to explain the gospel, he says to him, right here. That all this stuff, Romans 1 and 2, is so hard to read. Oh, my gosh, because it's everything that sin deserves. He says, but now God has demonstrated his love. God has shown us that in this he laid down his life so that you would become righteousness. And now he's going back to this in verse 17. He says, look, you heard me. That's what it means by you obeyed. You heard and you engaged and you believed this, that a man is justified by his faith in what he believes. That's the form that he's talking about. That you receive it through going, okay, yeah, uh, okay, I'm in. You have me. I'm here. And that was when you, you were still dead in that process. It tells us that in Romans and again in Ephesians. While you were yet sinners, he says in Romans, Christ died for you. While you were yet that, he said, but you're not that anymore. You were something. Now you've been delivered by faith in believing what God did. And he says, oh, 
my gosh. That's why it's the operative verse. God be thanked. God, how am I supposed to present myself to God? Thank you, God. I present myself to you holy and blameless and righteous by what you did for me. Not by anything else. Not by the works of the law. Not by how good I can say it. I present myself to you because of you. Thank you, God. That's it. There's no magic words. Um, It's something that, it's just trying to get you to see something that was, has changed. Something that now is, is completely different. It's not God. He didn't change. Who changed? You did. When you come to God and deny that you've been changed, you're saying he wasn't big enough to do it. You're actually, the manner in which you present to your son, now I'm speaking in human terms because God sees this way different. But you are presenting yourself as dead, not alive. You're not bringing your life to him. You're bringing a carcass to him that is dead, is buried. That's why in the early teaching I called, called it the voice from the grave. Don't let the voice from the grave speak on your behalf. Speak on your behalf as alive to God and present yourself in that way. So it is simply, it is simply this justification by faith. Let me show you this. Because this is so wonderful. Read it. I'm going to read it slow. So that we get this again, because the verse, Romans 6.17, is connected to this. This is why Paul wrote this. This is why he called it the form of doctrine. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God. So he's making a direct, this huge statement. Through faith in Jesus Christ, look at these words, to all and on all who what? What do you believe? What's your doctrine? What is your theology? Do you believe this applies to you? When? When you're you're walking in righteousness? Yeah. What about when you sin? Can sin change this? It doesn't have the power to change it. Can the law change this? No. This actually fulfilled the law. Didn't take it away. Fulfilled it. This is stunning. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being how? Justified how? By his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God set forth, he paid the price, it's a propitiation, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he has cut off. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith 
in Jesus Christ. Here's the doctrine. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Or do you have faith that you can keep the law? Why do we keep trying? See, God doesn't want you to relate to him through the law. Because you can't do it. It won't work. It never worked. So how does he want me to relate to him? get justified, I've been justified. And it will deliver you. It will, it, it is a game changer in your life. Not that you suddenly become, uh, and that's why Paul said certainly not. You aren't supposed to be capricious, capricious with this. This is the most intense thing that was ever written for human beings. This is the key verse. This is the life changer. This is to get you to see you don't have to present yourself to sin. It doesn't have dominion over you. It's counted dead. If you died, how can it have dominion over you? Does it, now connect with what I said about one spirit with him. Does sin have any authority or any relationship to the spirit of God? None. And who's joined to the Lord? Therefore, now here, here's one time I will tell you you can do an equation. What, so Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way, what's true of God is true of you. This is why 1 John, he writes, chapter 4, he says, uh, that just as he is, so are we on the earth. seriously, you, can, you have to use this the next time you blow it in sin. And present yourself in grace to God. Not groveling for mercy. Not mortgaging your future. I promise I'll try really hard and I'll never, ever, never, 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 ever, ever do that again. Yes, you would. Look at human flesh. The capacity to do something really stinky is there. That's the humble statement that goes, huh, I can see, I can, so how should I then live? Well, stay firmly implanted in grace. The next time, you, here's the other thing, temptation is not sin. The next time you are tempted to do something, actually start using your true identity to combat it, not your willpower. This is, that's why he says, don't present yourself to sin. It'll become your master. Present yourself to God. So the next time you're being tempted, what do you say? Hey, Lord, I, I just want you to know that I really receive your righteous gift and your identity of who I am in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You just start saying those things out loud. Guess what the power of temptation has over you? zippity doodah. See, you thought it was this big hairy monster that lived under the bed, always growling. Oh, you slipped one time and I will consume you. No, it's a spot that was already taken care of. That's trying to show up again. Jesus loves me, this I know. 
use spiritual weapons. Start talking to yourself about your true identity. You start declaring your true identity, sin has no power. It's toothless. It's that big glob of mucus, on, which I hate those commercials on Mucinex. It's that big globby green gooey stuff. That's all it is. That's all it has. All it ever has is an accusation against you. That's the only authority it has. We think it's this, you know, and they might show that in horror movies. Just drives me crazy. The, the, hor the horrendous evil wins, 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 wins until at the end of the movie, somehow somebody accidentally does something that makes something else happen that magically makes righteousness win and goodness win. That, no, it didn't happen that way. He rose from the grave. He conquered sin on your behalf and gave you himself as a free gift of righteousness and clothed you in light. That's that word, by the way. You're clothed in incredible light. You were designed to eat the fruit of God over an abundant fruit and to be fruitful in him. When you empower sin, you make it more than what it is. delivered. I don't even know what I did with the clicker thing. I get so excited about this. Listen, this has been a life changer in my life. I'm going to do a dangerous thing. This is not a brag. My life has day by day by day by day in these past 10 years getting more and more and more free and more alive and I don't care if anybody thinks I'm weird. I don't have to prove it to anybody. I just live in Christ. And the thing that's being proven is that verse, he says, oh, I don't have to have somebody come and put a spirit of poverty on you. No, I don't. I'm alive to God. What are you talking about? That's not my identity. You got a spirit of jealousy. You got a spirit of rejection. You got this, you got that. Waste of time. You're dealing with something that has only has an effect on death, not life. Present yourself alive to God. So it's making, it's so important, so deeply important. Look at this. Because of verse 17 and 18, the but God. You use the but God that says, because God made you righteous, you can obey your heart, your new identity. I just can't seem to do the right thing. That's a lie. I can always choose the right thing. Don't obey the law. Obey God. God never called you to obey the law as a believer. Your obedience is to Christ. That's what Paul talks about it over and over and over again. Your obedience. It's obedience to a relationship with God, not the law. Not the law. I obey God. that, I obey what he has done for me. Obey your relationship to him. That's why Jesus, knowing that the covenant was going to change, he says this. 
We've always made it a conditional that, of how you relate to him. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love God? You're keeping his commandments. No, I have to keep the commandment in order to love God. No, it starts with relationship. If you love me, keep my commandments. What was his commandment? What's the great commandment of the new covenant? seven teachings right there. We have a new commandment that he gave to us. I'm supposed to love you the way he loves me. That's the command. I'm supposed to be God to you because he is to me. Now, not your God in the sense of, Randy, I want you to do this. Not that. I'm supposed to know you after the Spirit. And believe that God has every good intent towards you that he has towards me. All right, so we, we find that his commandment, no, John, is it's not burdensome. It's actually easy to do. How can I know any of this is true? By your new identity. You're a new person, not an old person trying to obey a new identity. You're a new person given a new identity. So how do you want to relate to Christ? My new identity. This is why I'm constantly trying to get you to do Romans 12, 1 and 2. So, assignment, just like last week. This week, every morning, get up, do your, this, this is a two-minute devotional. Most incredible two minutes of your life. Rise and present yourself to God holy and blameless in your new identity. Here I am, and I change the words on it. Here I am, Lord, the delight of your heart. What, you don't want to be the kid? I want to be the kid. Here I am. Lord. Now that's a mouthful. And yes, you can look up what loquacious means, because I'm doing that a lot right now. But if you started doing this, what, what if you changed your walk with God and started taking him up for what he believes about you? me, about you. What if you really did that? What would the day begin to look like? If you started declaring your righteousness before God's throne and your own ears were hearing it, tell, we'll look at this later as we get through Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God and the word of God there there weren't any scriptures except the old covenant what's he talking about the word the living word that's alive in you faith comes by hearing your ability to hear comes by your spirit joined to God who does he want you to listen to but can you hear me now? 
got up tomorrow morning and said to God, I know you love me, and I want to know it more. Not, hey, I was off kilter yesterday, and I just wasn't myself. I really apologize. It's gone. It's gone. But God, but now, right now, you and the Lord, one spirit. Especially hard for guys, but I think it's just as hard for women. So I'm going to take the chauvinistic statement off of there. Do you believe you're beautiful to me? Can you imagine the words of God coming right back to her and goes, Wow, Teresa, you're beautiful to me. Justified, you're sanctified. If you're sanctified, you're glorified. Christ in you is the hope of. This is really, you can look in the mirror and go, oh, glory. You can just try a little, you know, you don't have to be a real Pentecostal with it. Before the foundations of the world, he presented you to himself. How? Holy and blameless. That sounds like perfect to me. You keep trying to get God to look at your spots, and he goes, no, I recognize them. I hate aging. This is, you know, my skin's starting to get that elephant-y stuff. You know, it's all crinkly and... bag of meat. This is a meat sack. The true me, glorious, incredible, wonderful. That's egotistical. Really? Agreeing with God is egotistical. I don't think so. So you want you want to make it what I'm saying okay? Okay. Let's do the Psalms. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. How's that? Does that make you feel better about it? Other than saying, the glory of God resides in you. Oh, but when this starts becoming, I know, where he said, don't you know? When this starts becoming, I know, you treat yourself differently. You treat your relationship to God differently. You treat your relationship to others differently. You can shut your mouth. How did that come out of me? Because this is the practical part of this. This is what Paul brought to us. Romans 6 is the most practical chapter that was ever written. 
So pray with me. I, I will pray for you and me. Lord Jesus, instill in my heart and the way I see myself, you. Capture my heart with this picture that in you I am complete. In you, I lack no good thing. In you, I'm righteous and blameless. In you, I'm the delight of heaven and earth. In you, I'm completely different. I'm new. Thank you for the two words, but God, I tried doing this on my own, God, and it doesn't work. Now I trust in what you say, and I declare something. I agree with this doctrine. It's true of me. Maybe you need to say that. It's true of me. Try it again and say it so you hear it. It's true of me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. are lucky there's a game today because this is hard to stop on seriously this is hard to stop because we do lunch but this is this was the this was the unlocking key in my life Romans 5 through 8 unlocked it that which was hidden for years that I scraped and studied and pulled and wrote and demanded and prayed and repented numerous times and here it was all along set room in the dream there it was just waiting for me there were no magic words there were no seven steps to intimacy there was just Jesus and me I always I think of this I don't know what you grab onto I always think of these little things William Wallace when he comes back as an adult in the movie Braveheart and he comes back to Scotland and he finds the little girl who gave him the gift of thistle do you remember and they see each other again and she goes you know you remember you remember I and she goes I and his response is this I love you always have always will it's God there's no magic have. What's the operative word? Always will. Obey a relationship, not an edict of law. Stand with me. Now, may the Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and the people who received it said, Amen. Amen. Would you love on each other?